0: are on and we are recording this is episode 27 of the hockey cards gong show podcast our halloween edition my name is josh i'm here with troy what's good troy not much this is kind of our
1: first special episode i guess besides the hockey cards 101 this is the first special episode of the main
0: podcast so i'm excited yeah i'm excited too i think every episode's special but i, I get what you're saying <laughs> i am a, a tiny bit disappointed that you're not wearing a halloween costume though of course, i'm not a- no one can see us but but, but <laughs> we can see each other uh we do have a lot planned which is pretty awesome try to make uh almost everything we do a little bit halloween themed today hope everybody has a great halloween we're recording on sunday just for posterity's sake so before we get rolling just want to remind everyone that we are a patreon podcast your support helps us to produce a podcast and produce more and better content for you you also get access to the Gong Show Discord, where you get insider access and participation with our show. good example of that is we just added channels for our Who's Hot and our Emerging Fun Struggle Bus segment, so that Discord users can give nominees for each. If you want to support the show, it's really easy. There's a link in the description. You can go to the Patreon website and search for the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast, or You can go on our Instagram, and the link is in the bio. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for your consideration. Okay, Troy, let's roll through the game plan.
1: On today's show, we begin by looking at the greatest player to wear number 27 for episode 27. Then it's off to a rookie deep dive on the Minnesota Wilds' Kalen Addison. Next, it's on to movers and shakers and hobby news. Then for Halloween, we have a couple special segments. The first one we will be looking at mascot cards, followed by a segment on our favorite goon slash enforcer cards. We end the show with new product releases and personal pickups. So I will I will just keep rolling because this next one is, is kind of my gig. So for episode 27, per the hockey writers, the most famous number 27 is Scott Niedermeyer. I'm actually excited to do this one. I, I remember Scott Niedermeyer a lot. Plan. He was a fantastic defenseman to watch. Just to give you some oversight oversight, I'm kinda of chunking this into sections. I've kind of done this with all of them, but I just wanted to make it's going to be kind of the overview and then kind of get into them. So he played 1,263 regular season games over an 18-year NHL career. He played 13 years with the Devils and 5 years with the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim slash Anaheim Ducks. If you remember, they were originally called the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. I love that name. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a (laughs) kind of out there (laughs) wording of how you'd name a team, but I love it. Didn't
0: Disney originally own the team?
1: I think so. I think Disney originally owned it. Being the good Minnesota minnesotans and tying everything back to us they filmed for sure the first movie here most of Mm -hmm. the majority of it not sure about the second one third one and the tv series i think they just came out i think it was a mistake to remove the mighty from the ducks yeah i like the old emblem too the kind of goalie duck mask but i digress It's fun times. He, for his awards and accomplishments, NHL Hall of Famer. He is a four-time Stanley Cup winner, three with the New Jersey Devils and one with the Anaheim, we'll call them the Ducks. He was on the 1992-93 All-Rookie Team. He's a one-time Norris winner. He's a one-time Conn Smythe winner, four-time first-team NHL All-Star. He was voted as one of the top 100 players in the nhl and he's a two-time gold olympic gold medalist with team canada and a one-time world champion so that's kind of a little of the accolades yeah that's cool yeah he's lots of accolades some of the stuff i didn't know about but most of it i did but he was just like i said he was a great defenseman he had 172 goals during his career in the regular season which puts him 27th all-time for defenseman mm-hmm. 568 assists which puts him 20th all-time for D for a career total of 740 points, which is 24th all-time for defense. Made the playoffs in 15 of his 18 NHL seasons, and in the playoffs he had 202 202- Games played, 25 goals, 73 assists for 98 points. So that's kind of a little bit of a stat overview. So if you remember, Niedermeyer is regarded as one of the greatest defensemen in NHL history. I don't think you'll ever hear any argument on that. He was definitely up there. He's one of those top guys, especially during his era when he played. He was an all-around just terrific hockey player especially playing yeah i remember he played a majority of his career with a very defensive orientated team slash system in new jersey yeah if you ever remember hearing the neutral zone trap that's where it kind of originated was in new jersey oh. and it was very defensive orientated it was stifling and if you ever watch how a neutral zone trap it plays out you can see why there's not a lot of good goals scored in the, in the system. But even in that system which he played for 13 years, he still managed to score 112 goals and 476 assists in 892 games. Those are pretty off, impressive offensive stats for the system he he was in and it also really solidified his reputation as one of the top offensive defensemen of his generation. Which is kind of crazy thinking of him as an offensive defenseman in that system, but he truly was and even his whole development curve coming up that's kind of what he was known for he was on the yeah he ice. wasn't
0: the uh yeah the offensive defenseman in sort of like the kill mccarr mode or adam fox mode right that we think of but more for the era he was yeah but he's definitely had so, he it?
1: definitely had some of those components though that you see with the guys we even talk mm. about today you know he was on the ice a lot he played in every situation it's kind of funny when we talk about the system the trap he did actually even come out afterwards to say he did feel restricted by those systems but he said one thing it did is it made him develop his game to be an all-around defensive player and work on his actual defensive ability and not just rely on the offensive component which is good to hear I wish a lot of younger players that are playing now could kind of listen to him and it's a good lesson right you got to adapt and not everything's going to go the way you think it is but if you adapt and work on your game, find a find mm. a spot, and you'll—he obviously did great things in the NHL. Now I was talking about like McCarr and how he still got kind of components. Niedermeyer does. If you ever watched him play, he was just smooth skater. He had speed. He had poise. He could take the ice two hundred feet and rush and rush. It was just—it was fantastic to watch him. In two thousand five, when he left the Devils, he signed with the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim which I'm going to keep saying that name. And he, he basically did that. There was a couple of reasons he wanted to get out of New Jersey, but his brother, Rob Niedermeyer, played for the Ducks. Okay. And it was a really big thing for him to go... And play with him and maybe try to win a cup he is currently the special assignment to coach for the anaheim ducks so he's still involved still in the game and i've been trying basically they they tell him where to go what do they need him to go do does he need to go to the AH, ahl team and work with them does he need to go scout does he need to go he it's it's one of those just catch-alls for a lot of stuff or he can work with the major or the nhl club to do things so my fun fact when i was looking up him. He is a member of the Triple Gold Club, having won the Stanley Cup as well as a World Championship and an Olympic gold medal. And exactly won multiple Olympic gold medals. Niedermeyer also played for the Memorial Cup champions and championship teams at the 1991 World Junior Championships and the 2004 World Cup of Hockey making him and Corey Perry the only players in history to have ever won each of the six major North American and international competitions available to players. I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's a
0: hell of a fun fact there, Troy. Way to go. Yeah,
1: it's a fun fact, and that's one of the things you hear about him. He's a winner. He won at every level. You know, CHL with the Memorial Cup, Stanley Cup. Olympic gold medals, World Championship. I mean, he he won at every level, and I didn't get into this a lot about him. But if you ever read up on study on him, he was just also known one of those like quiet leaders they always called him. But he definitely diffused a couple situations just with players that were going to get sent down. He kind of talked to the GM, kind of took that step. You'll hear those stories are you know, kind of peppered out through his career, and you can find them when you look at him. So overall, just. An absolutely terrific hockey player.
0: Okay, so I have a couple points to make on this. Yeah. So I was curious, you had written down that he won the consmite as a defenseman. So I was curious how many defensemen have won it. Do you have any idea? No clue. Ten. Nice. But just actually probably more than I thought. Yeah. What do you think the position is with the least consmite awards?
1: Man, I don't know. We'll say, well, center's got to have a lot. Goalie's
0: probably, uh, I'll say right wing. Seven times. Only two left wingers. Have Two won the award, Bob Gainey of Montreal in 1979, and Alex Ovechkin of Washington in 2018. It's kind of crazy, well, huh?
1: That is very interesting. I did not know that. And if people are sitting there wondering what the con Smythe is, it's the most valuable player
0: during the Stanley Cup playoffs. The other point I wanted to make is, I'm just curious. This is so dumb, but after paying attention to the Wild for so long and having Nino Niederreiter here for a number of years (laughs) yeah is it a a mental challenge to go you know when you're researching scott niedermeyer to did that ever cross your mind at all when you were doing your research because it did about six times when i wanted to say i don't
1: think so because i i I was pretty familiar with him so i knew who he was and I'm not going to say it, but my wife has a different way that she says Nino Niederreiter's name. So that's yeah. how I kind of <laughs> I yeah. kind of hear it. So it didn't really affect me that much.
0: Yeah, for the record, I'm not confusing the two. I'm just saying the <laughs> names are yeah. so similar. It's hard to uh, disassociate one for the other. Oh, yeah.
1: All right. So let's look at his cards. This will be a continuing trend, I think, with these guys that played in the 90s, early 2000s. So his rookie card is the 1990-91 upper deck. Number 461. You've seen it. It's got like the world champion, junior championships. He's holding the trophy, or it's like a plate. He's holding it in front of him. And there's also a French version of this. So there was a French set and the Mm -hmm. original upper deck set. So basically, you can think of it as two cards. So it's kind of interesting looking at his pricing. His, so let's start with the just the not French version, the 1990 91 upper deck. It is. If you look at the PSA 10, it's got a pop of 453. And I had to basically stare at this number a bunch of times.
0: Last sold on eBay on October 16th for $33. So it means the so, card's worthless because it probably costs that much to grade it. Actually, I hadn't thought of this until right now. But is there any other point than that, what, was it 90-91 and then I think ninety two ninety one ninety two. 92, 91, 92 Where you have players whose rookie is not in the NHL uniform.
1: Yeah, there's definitely examples where they'll be in their international team jerseys or I think there's some where they're even like in suits of the draft and you know not in their official team jersey.
0: Well what do you think about that? Do you like the like the World Junior Uh, Championships as a rookie? Or would you have preferred it have been in an NHL?
1: I guess I'm fine with it. If if it's the accepted rookie card. I'm okay with the image. I think it's fine. I don't have a tie that it needs to be in his NHL jersey to be his rookie card. I wonder if there
0: if that was strategic or... Because what we learned right, a lot about, as you, I guess, learn more and more about sports cards, is sometimes sports card companies do things because of it's the best they can do given a situation. And I wonder if there's something that maybe timing-wise or printing-wise had precluded them from getting images in nhl sweaters or if that was just a choice that they thought would be cool at the time i don't know enough about 1990 hockey to uh it's just kind of really interesting to me i think i don't like it i don't mind i don't hate it but i wonder if you're always it's gonna be hard to separate the era from the 33 three dollar comp but i wonder (laughs) if that factors in at all
1: all right, so getting back to his cards. He also has uh there's a BGS nine point five, a couple of graded copies of that 1990 91 Upper Deck. Pop 17, so a lot less. Comp less well, that's one I could find sold was April of 2022 for $66. So again, the non French version is rarely, fairly cheap. So go have at it if you wanna if you wanna find it. Now he does have this the nineteen ninety ninety one 91 Upper Deck French version. Obviously a lot less population on that, but there is some pretty interesting things going on. If you look at the PSA ten version, it sold in February of this year for two hundred and eleven dollars. Then it sold in June for $181. And then in October of this year it sold for $67. That's I don't crazy. know if that I don't know if that sixty seven dollar sale is not legit. I mean it was on eBay, it showed us completed, all that stuff. The pop Was that it an car, auction? It was, I believe, it was an auction. Pretty sure it was an auction.
0: And See, I would say, I would, I would say that that's poor strategy, right? Because the card has a population thirty-two, and it's not like he's Wayne Gretzky. Okay, so, but he is a significant player in the history of the NHL. And when you have Kirill Kaprizov, young guns being, you know, six, seven are sold every day on eBay. It's a smart strategy to auction it. I don't know if I would. Let an auction roll. How many people know that what this card is, right? That it's a 1990 French. It's a PSA 10 that know that it's only a pop at 32. Understand the significance. If you're going to put up an e- a card like that on eBay, in my opinion, and, and it's not coincide with his Hall of Fame enshrinement or something like that, you'd never auction that card. You would always do a buy it now.
1: Yeah. So it was an auction and it was sold by four Sharp corners, which is, I think like an auction house. or uh, They'll take yeah. in your cards and sell them for you. So I'm, I'm leaning towards it's more of a legit sale. So I did some research to try to figure out what is going on or why this card dropped. And the closest thing I could find was an article on Cardboard Connection where they kind of talk about these 1990s upper deck cards. And there's a blurb where they kind of, set, they kind of put this out there. Once thought to be somewhat more rare than the English version. The French versions originally saw initial spike in prices when it turned out the cards were alleged to have been reprinted and not so rare values plummeted. Now, I don't know when this article was written. It wasn't timestamped. I even tried to go through the HTML code to see if I could find some kind of date on it. So I don't know if this was talking about (laughs) five years ago or this year. I didn't see anything really that explained why this dropped. I'm sure one of our listeners might know. If you look at just the graded copies, PSA graded copies of these two cards, the 1990 upper deck, just the normal version, has 720 graded copies, where the French has 81 graded copies. I don't know. There seems like there is a difference in print run. So I can't really use, I don't know if I can use that. Well, you just look at
0: pop count, it's 32, 32 years. We've, we've said this before. If your argument is that there's 25 million of these sitting in basements waiting, mm-hmm in perfect condition, and top loaders supremely protected for the last 32 years, then okay, I guess that'll happen. I still, I think that, you know, that not that it's going to be 32 pop forever, but it's, it's a low pop card. So I don't know that I I think that what you found would make more sense if let's say the pop was 32, 15 years ago, and now is 632. And it's like, oh, all these French cards were were discovered. Ironically, I've had a similar situation with an Ed Belfour rookie French that I bought where it went down a little bit. But I think Troy, I'll go back to I think the reason the sales went from like two hundred and eleven to one hundred eighty-one close enough, right? To then down to sixty-seven is I think it was a poor selling strategy. I, you know, the market hasn't I don't think the Scott Niedermeyer market has gone down by two thirds. No other card has in that time period. And if you put that card up on a seven day auction, you're counting on anyone who might be interested in a fairly niche card, knowing that it's up for auction and jumping on it, where I think that's unrealistic. Interesting, though. I think, I guess, end of the day, whoever got bought that card for $67, congratulations. You got a hell yeah, of a deal. Good on them. I mean, I mean when are you going to... At 32 You we may not see another one for sale for another four or five months, if that, right? Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of the
1: rundown on, on his rookie card. Obviously... If you want it, they're out there. You can <laughs> maybe find the French version. If not, there's definitely the other version is kind of circulating around and you can get it for a cheap price if it's something you're interested in. But yeah, again, I'm in
0: for 70 bucks. Yeah. You can sell those to me. I'll take them. <laughs> okay. Rookie Deep Dive. This week, Our I guess our poll winner is Kalen Addison. So just to catch everyone up to speed in case you haven't been following along, this is the seventh edition of our Rookie Deep Dives. Here's who we've covered so far. Maddie Beneers, Matt Boldy, Shane Wright, Yaron Schlefkowski, Owen Power, and last uh, Monday was Shane Pinto. So we did a poll on Instagram and the winner there was Shane Wright and then or er, Kalen Addison and then Kent Johnson came in second. So between the I put Addison and Johnson on the poll a lot so far over the last weeks and I was pretty convinced that this week one of the two would break through. But let's talk about Addison. Real briefly here, he is a 22-year-old Troy, 5'11", 180-pound defenseman for your Minnesota Wild. This is the second Wild player and rookie deep dives. It's pretty cool. The 53rd overall pick in the 2018 entry draft by the Pittsburgh Penguins. So went back and looked at some of the scouting reports going into the draft, and basically people categorized him as an undersized puck-moving defenseman with a ton of offensive upside. He was traded to the Wild along with Alex Galchenyuk, and a conditional first-round pick for, do you remember who? I do not remember who. For I'm Jason to... Zucker. Ah, oh, Zucker. Yep. In February 2020. I like Zucker. I know he's had some injury issues since being in Pittsburgh. I think how it's, you know, getting Addison and a conditional first-rounder is, you know, I, I would say we did pretty good in that deal. Do you have any idea what Kalen's middle name is, Troy? I actually do know that because I researched him
1: for a little bit on the, to make sure I I knew as much as I could about him. It was Gordon. Darn it!
0: I even decoded it <laughs> on our notes so that you couldn't, so that I would remember it and couldn't figure it out. I do. remember I don't know that. why. I just wanted to let everyone know his name. Middle name is Gordon. So he played major junior hockey for the Lethbridge Hurricanes before being traded to Minnesota, and then spent most of his first two seasons in the Wild organization playing in Iowa for the Iowa Wild in the AHL. Cannon made his Wild debut in February 21, only played three games with the club for the remainder of the season before starting 2021-22 back in Iowa, played most of that season uh, with the Iowa Wild, tallying seven goals, 27 assists, thirty four so 34 points in 43 games. He did play 15 games in the NHL last year, tallying four points, two goals, two assists. So not only did Addison make the Wild team out of training camp this year, he's playing it playing pretty well. Uh, he's currently on the second defensive pairing and has also been playing the first power play unit. it. He's yet to score so far, but has seven assists and has been at or near the top of the rookie scoring leaderboard really since the start of the season. I think right now he's tied for second with Shane Pinto, one point behind Matty Beniers.
1: I was saying that makes sense. I mean, I don't think he was, he's more known as a puck moving passing defenseman, I think, than rather a goal scorer. Like, I don't think he's going to light it up with a lot of goals, but he definitely can find people and find
0: open people on the rush which kind of makes sense seeing kind of how stat lines played out yeah you can tell us watching almost every wild game he's very much a setup guy especially on a power play he's not afraid to take the puck into the zone and he seems to have a pretty good chemistry with Kaprizov too from a hockey card perspective, his 2021 Young Guns current values are around $8.50 U.S. dollars. It was about a dollar card if you go back a couple months beginning of September. So definitely his hobby values being rewarded for his good play. Also, what was curious and checked what his top selling card to date was. And a raw Young Guns High Gloss sold for 291 U.S. dollars on August 10th. Bottom line with Addison Troyes, I think of a lot of opportunity to put points on the board because the Wild have a pretty good power play, and he's played a very active role in it so far. Big question for me is can he score goals, too? If you look at his track record, he's much more of an assist guy. It looks like about a 4-to-1 ratio assist to goals. You know, so I don't know if I've seen any, and I'm curious to get your opinion on this, if I've seen anything at this point that gives him, like, top high-end NHL defenseman upside. It seems like he could be a really solid NHL player and and hopefully for us on a good team.
1: Yeah, to go to the next level, he'll have to, I think, get the scoring up just a tad to get thrown into that elite level of D guys from an offensive standpoint. But I've liked everything I've kind of seen so far, and I like the setup. It's kind of what he was known for. He's still doing that at the NHL level. And kind of what gets me excited is, so we got Kaelin Addison, and this is total wild homer talking, but then we got Boldy, Rossi. We got number one goalie in waiting in Jesper Wahlstedt. In our minor league system,
0: so I'm excited to see
1: <laughs> what can go on with the Wild going forward.
0: with All these rookie Very good prospects, yeah, yeah. Mason Mason Shaw has played well. Connor yep. Doerr has played well, and then we got 97. Let's move on to movers and shakers. Uh, we'll start out with who's hot. So had to really impossible, especially after last night, not to start with Connor McDomer. You know, for Halloween, you've seen all dr- the- Do we have a drum? Do we have a? Doo-doo-doo? We do. I just played it. <laughs> are,
1: you looking, are you looking for
0: it? <laughs> nah. Yeah, so there's my corny dad joke, but I do think <laughs> the connor McDavid themes are, are hilarious. So through nine games, McDavid is doing McDavid things and playing like the best player in the world, of course. He's got nine goals, nine assists for 18 points. For an even Troy, two points per game average. Is that good? It's pretty good, especially in today's game. Yeah, it's kind of Gretzky-ish, right? For, for nine games. That's... Puts him on that. Everyone,
1: yeah, he'd be at like forty. Some point that I'm might sure. be a little high, but
0: looking at his hockey cards, his twenty fifteen Young Gun PSA tens actually down about seven percent over the past two weeks. Last selling for two thousand seven hundred fifty three U.S. dollars. The previous five sales all had been three thousand or more. His uh, last BGS 9.5 sold for $1,250, which is down about 24% in the past two weeks. It has consistently been selling above 1600 No idea why his cards are down. I did make a note here, too. I always want to try to do some other comparison than the PSA 10 Young Gun. Uh, we typically, in case anyone is newer to the show, when we do price comparisons, we do Young Guns because it's the most available and Liquid card. It's hard to go off of a future watch auto patch where there's only 100 of them in the world as an example. But the thing I don't love, Troy, about BGS 9.5 is that, and we of course don't have time to look through every sale for 10 minutes, but there is a value disparity between a BGS 9.5 that would have like a five 9.5 subgrades and one nine subgrade versus a true gem plus plus, right? That has all 9.5 subgrades and two tens. So the 1250, I, you know, end of the day, I don't know if that factors into it, but yeah, for some crazy reason, his cards seem to be down. So if you still had wanted to get into the McDavid market and you can find a PSA 10 young gun under 3000, you're probably doing pretty good at this point. Okay. Speaking of Halloween, we're going to go with our number two guy is Leon Dreisaitl, who would probably have to go as Robin, right? The sidekick to Batman for sure. For Halloween. So I'm I have a, I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm interested to see your response to this. How many players in the NHL do you, other than Connie McD, Connor McDommer, do you think are better than Leon Dreisaitl, Troy? Right now, today,
1: not a lot, man. He Dreisaitl, I've watched, I think, three or four Edmonton games. There's no better passer in the league, I'm convinced. He is the best passer. The passes he makes and the holes he puts them through and – the speed at which things are moving, and he'll thread a needle. He's the best, and I think it shows up. He's the number one leader in assists right now. I, I man, I be. I mean, obviously, there's a couple people. Like Pasta has more points than him right now, as as I'm looking at it. But I don't think right now. There, I think he's in the top three, top two, probably. I, I, I would agree with. Let's let's go with that. I will agree. He is, besides McDavid, probably the best player in the NHL right now. Just from what I've seen him play and the things he's doing, he's only getting better. He keeps last year I was impressed. Obviously, then he had that crazy playoff run where he's doing things on one leg. And now he's just, I think, taking his game to another level.
0: I would say yes. He has 16 points in nine games, four goals, 12 helpers. Right. So he, it's like the, the story of Dreisaitl's life, right? He's got 16 points in nine games. Holy crap. <laughs> well, McDavid has 18. And more goals, right? And he gets
1: help help from McDavid, right? Because you got the best player in the world with you. You That's a two-way street,
0: though, right? Yeah. Because you could say McDavid gets help from Dreisaitl, too. For sure. Uh, It it just McDavid has such a long shadow that he seems to be always a little bit lost in it. He's still 27, right? So early-ish in his prime. Beyond just his start to the season, and I'm going to do this for a couple of these guys, I wanted to look into just where they're at in their career. So he's played eight years now. He's got 632 points in 567 games, so about a 1.1 point per game average over his career. So just kind of doing a little bit of math here, if he's able to play and play well, maybe in his late his late 30s, I think Trey has a pretty good chance of finishing in the top 20 all-time scoring list and getting north of 500 goals, too. It'd be a heck of a career. From a hockey card perspective, he is getting some hobby love a little bit different than Connor McDonough. Last sale for his 2014 Young Gun PSA 10 pop 585 was right around 1000 bucks. It's up 24% in the past two weeks. Not a ton of these sales, but his, his last sale prior to that was $720. Pretty nice jump there. I love watching him play. He was my favorite player in the playoffs last year to watch. Oh, definitely. He's he's something else, man. His passing, I will
1: never get over like how he can make some of his passes.
0: Okay, next guy on the whose hot list is David Pasternak pasta at the time we're recording he's second in scoring with seven goals and 10 assists i think you mentioned that in nine games in addition to that boston's off to a super hot start as a team too which definitely should be helpful for pasta values if he continues to play at this pace boston i believe has an right now an nhl leading 16 points another guy 26 troy just getting into his prime so i, I did kind of the same thing with pasta as i did dry and he's played 519 games in and has five hundred twenty-one points, so almost exactly one point mm-hmm. per game. Guy looking at his twenty fourteen Young Guns PSA ten pop only one fifty-one. It's up about thirty-six percent in the past couple weeks, selling most recently for nine hundred fifty-three U.S. dollars on Saturday. So there's a lot of interesting similarities between his career progress to this point and, and Dry Seidel. And especially even like their card values, the biggest difference is the super low pop count that I mentioned on his young MPSA 10 151. It's almost four times as less than dry sidles, right? So if you're a pasta guy and you can find that card mm-hmm. under a thousand dollars and given the pop count, you know, that that's probably a pretty decent buy at, at that point. You are you a pasta guy? You fan of his game? I
1: am. I I don't know him too well, but when I've seen him play against the wild, he usually does pretty well. so so then i get mad but he's definitely definitely a good player he's got definitely a lot of skill
0: okay so we have two more guys on the who's hot list this week last week or not i keep saying week on thursday (laughs) we had uh brady Kachuk on the hot list and now we're featuring brother matthew big changes obviously for him this year coming from calgary to florida but Troy sits the ground running he's 13 points nine games tallying five goals eight assists on saturday so last last night from the day we're recording, Matthew had one goal and two assists in the battle of the Kachuk brothers, helping Panthers beat Brady's Ottawa team 5-3. Hockey card-wise, his 2016 young on PSA 10, popped five fifty four down about 7% over the past two weeks, selling for about 113 U.S. dollars. It's off quite a bit from its all-time high of 233 in February 2021. And if you go back to the... End of April and kind of through May, it was consistently selling in the 150 to 175 US dollar range. Uh, so I don't know; it, it feels like it's a little undervalued right now, if that's a, the the best word for it. So if you're a Kachuk guy, I think if you can get this card at in the 115 to 125 US dollar range, it's probably not a bad buy. And if you're selling it, I would probably wait till it's back up at least in that 150 to 175. Dollar range but at 554 pop count I, I i think that that's kind of a still a good number where i don't think pop count to me factors negatively into value what do mm-hmm. you think
1: no I, I think that's fine and also just looking at his situation you kind of knew this was coming right with him he wanted out of calgary wanted to go somewhere else seems like he was made for florida likes the warm weather enjoys being down there so i think he comes to the rink probably every day that they have a home game pretty happy and He's kind of building off of that and the whole situation he was put in and producing. So
0: we've been pretty vet heavy so far, right? Four guys. We talked about McDavid, Dreisaitl, Pasternak, Kachuk. And our one, one, our one young guy on this list uh, for today's episode is Shane Pinto. And to me, this is one of my favorite stories so far this season right? You got a guy who had a lot of promise, then starts last year, gets injured right away, misses the basically almost the whole season. And so this becomes his kind of comeback year, call it. And he's after a great start. He's got six goals and one assist in eight games for the Senators. Currently, as I think I mentioned earlier, currently second and tied with Addison on the rookie scoring leaderboard with seven points. Given two, and we'll talk about Josh Norris a little in a little bit that he's Hurt and going to miss some significant time that could be an opportunity or an opportunity to increase pinto's production on the team by getting him on you know a little high maybe in a top six role eventually or more prominent on the power play according to daily faceoff he's still centering the third line on five on five and playing in the second power play unit so here's what i'll ask like maybe your. Hockey expertise a little bit, Troy. In all right, he's got six goals in eight games. But for a guy who's playing center on third line and on second power play unit, it'd be really tough to keep up any sort of pace similar to that, right? Because oh, yeah, he's just definitely, not going to have the opportunity.
1: Yeah, it'd definitely be tough to keep that pace up. And I would be—I like I think I said this last episode. I mean, if I'm the center, I'm jumping for joy that I have a player on my third line that's almost a point per player, point per game player. However, with I'm assuming he's going to move up at some point to one of those top six roles when they feel they can fit him in and give him even more opportunity. But man, having that guy produce on the third line is fantastic.
0: 100%. From a hockey card perspective, so I... Looking at his 2021 Young Guns Raw, I averaged the last four or five sales, and it looks like it's going for about 18 U.S. dollars. If you go back a month ago, so beginning of October, right before the season started, it was selling for about 11 U.S. dollars, so it's up 64% really in the past month, which is right what you'd probably expect, given the start he's had. Probably a good time to sell if you have a bunch or you're looking to move some and don't PC Pinto. Well deserved to be on the Who's Hot list. Okay. Hey, wait a minute. Did you hear that, Tri? Is that the Struggle Bus pulling up?
1: Oh man. Go. There it is. Here we go. We have the we have a now a new segment name and a sound effect. We are boy, I don't know. Do we do we lose listeners with this, but we are becoming big time with sound effects. So the Struggle Bus is here and it is it has got some people on it and ready to talk about.
0: It's going to stay because we love it and yeah, we the production value is costing in the tens of thousands of cents. <laughs> Each, each month now uh or each episode okay we have three people on the struggle bus to talk about today first guy Cole Sillinger Columbus Blue Jackets he's played nine games Troy he's got one point one assist only 15 shots on goal with 27 shot attempts coming off last season he had 31 points in 77 games with 15 goals and 16 assists I might have switched those two rounds I think it was 16 goals actually 15 assists but Nonetheless, many thought he was poised for a breakout season this year. He could still be, right? But he's just off to a a very slow start. I uh, Googled him and and saw a ton of articles where you're getting quotes like, you know, he's fighting through it, you know, sort of acknowledging he's in the slump. So I I think everyone knows it's been a little bit of of a rough go. Uh, Currently, he's centering the third line five on five, but is not on the power play. So his other young promising rookie teammate ken johnson i think deservedly so as uh, centering the second power playing unit so that's i think taking some of cylinders opportunity as of right now looking at a hockey card perspective so is 2021 young gun psa 10s pop 132 actually that's higher than i thought it would have been at this point yeah i surprised yeah. by uh just looking at his recent so if you go back to october 13th it sold for Basically 103 US dollars. Then right at the season start, 108 US dollars a few days ago, 76. And then most recently on the 27th, 53. So his values are, are struggling with his play, which again, you know, we're at the time of year where this is what happens. Cole is sitting on the struggle bus this week. Okay. Our guy, uh, next guy is uh, Alex Newhook. On face value, Troy, I think everything was really set up for him this year to really have a breakout season. And a lot of people were were definitely expecting that. First and foremost, he's obviously on a great team. And then really, I think what created, has created so much of his opportunity is the Avs losing Kadri in the offseason. It really opened up a hole and and they're expecting Newhook to, to fill it. Build off of last season where he had 33 points with 13 goals and 20 assists. It's been a struggle so far. He was pointless until last night. So on Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, he finally scored a goal. So that gives him one goal, zero assists in nine games. Uh, hopefully for him, we'll get him going and kind of get him out of this slump. Just like with any of these guys, there's there's a whole bunch of articles out there. A couple of days ago, The Athletic wrote an article about his slow start, and you had Jared Bednar quoting as, as saying that you know he wants him to relax he's really tense he's squeezing the stick real hard right Ooh. you always hear that analogy when players are, are trying too much so it gives you a clear indication that he's pressing and definitely probably feeling the pressure so far his uh let's talk about hockey cards so it's 2021 young gun raw has been has been falling last sale was for about seven dollars and 50 cents u.s on ebay prior to that there was a four dollar and 25 cent sale and before you th- you think about it, it was with the dollar shipping, so it wasn't one of those four dollars sales, but mm-hmm. seventeen dollars yeah. in shipping. This card was selling for around thirteen U.S. dollars at the beginning of the month on October first. So it's really down about forty two percent or more in the past month or so. Uh, have you seen? Colorado play at all?
1: I haven't, but one thing I always look up with these guys that are on on the struggle bus is always want to see their time on ice just to make sure, and he's averaging around 13 minutes a game. So it's not like he's – you'll talk about him later, but it's not like he's Shane Wright and getting – when he does play five minutes a game, he's actually out there for some significant playing time. Just hasn't been finding the net and getting
0: points. Yeah, I did look at that too, and it's – his time on ice is on par with where it was last year. Yeah. So it's not like he's gone – what do you think is the cutoff line between, from a time on ice perspective to know? Obviously, if you get six, seven minutes a game, that's not enough. But is it 13, 14, 15 minutes that I, you I, say? I,
1: I don't know. I would have to look at like what the league average is for the top six oh, players okay. on each team. But I can tell you what, <laughs> all we heard about Ryan Suter and the the Wild, 30 minutes time on ice. You know, defensemen obviously can play a lot more on time on ice. And you'll see that with the top guys. I, I don't know what the actual cutoff is for forwards to say when you can they're getting significant time 13 to 18 sounds in, in the range so i didn't
0: put our guy mo on this week but did you watch the wild loss to detroit yesterday I saw the highlights okay uh he looked okay not overly impressive we could have uh beat a dead horse and gone through the whole sort of reasons why he's on the struggle bus but raymond had a couple had a really nice yeah, game side two goals so right? yeah Good for him, Mo. I, I think was a little bit more up and down. He got the had a hard time clearing the zone at times. Didn't put up any points. But the one guy I do want to talk about, and we're probably going to end up being a little, probably a little bit controversial each each episode when we talk about the struggle bus. And so my controversial controversial pick for today is Alexis Lafreniere. So I have a question. I want to start the conversation with the question. At what point is it fair to ask the question about what's the reasonable ceiling for this guy? I don't know. So I, through
1: I've just, just never been the biggest LaFreniere fan. I just haven't been. I heard all the hype that he got. He was the number one, you know, young gun, basically. I think when he came out, or he's in, and I just never was the biggest fan. But maybe that's because I didn't know enough about him. But even seeing him play last year, I think he's getting better. But I don't see him being a, a breakout superstar, elite scorer. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I'm not the I'm not the greatest hockey mind. But there's nothing I've seen that's to me right now I don't see him getting into that 50 goal score range. And mm-hmm. with that caveat, he's also very young and I hate I hate how the game is like we're always focused on these 18, 19, 20 year olds We're trying I mean, right, we try to project out, which is what we're supposed to do. But there's a lot of room for improvement and a lot of ha- can happen in from, you know, 21 to 24 in your development. That's where I I'm think at this with is. Him.
0: that makes sense to me. I was going to say, I think this is where you have to make an important distinction about our little kind of dopey struggle bus segment and why we is that we're looking primarily through the hockey card lens. So Lafreniere has a goal and three assists for four points in nine games. That's not horrible. It's not like he has a
1: half point per game. I mean.
0: Right. And so we're not trying to say that he's a horrible player and he stinks and is never going to be good. But what you have to do, just like with Cider, right, who may be playing all other aspects of the game aside from scoring very, very well. I don't know. I haven't broken down his film or qualified to do that even. But when you look at the hype, Lafonnier was Upper Deck's guy. They did rookie box sets for him, they went all in on, on Laffy. And If you look at the totality of his NHL resume to date, I would argue it's not great. He's played 144 games. He's got 32 goals, 24 assists, 56 points, 0.39 points per game. Okay, so let's compare him to a couple other 2020 big rookies. Our guy Kaprizov, 144 games, same amount of games. 80 goals, 90 assists, 170 points, 1.18 points per game. J-Rob, 137 games. 62 goals 73 assists 135 points 0.99 points per game it's just what have you you know it goes back to i think you made the point what have we seen to this point that makes you think he's going to be a pasta at some you know three years from now four years from now leading the you know second in the nhl scoring he could be and that would be awesome you know, we're never against any of these guys, but I think the more time goes on and you don't see a glimpse of that, it feels like the lower the percentages that it'll ultimately happen. That's the sort of human nature.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping it happens and then we get a bunch of hate mail and say, Remember on that show, episode 27, when you said <laughs> and I'll be like, Yep, hey, we're
0: wrong. There's no one that's hundred percent right. I, I don't think we are wrong though, because we're just <laughs> saying he's we're not saying that he's never gonna be great. Yeah. I hope all these guys are great. Because listen. First and foremost, <laughs> other than Loving the Wild and my guy, Capriza, I want every card to be worth a ton of money True. because it means the hobbies and great. I'm rooting against no card going down. But other than it, it's kind of I think that the segment is fun. We have to have to be an authentic show. You have to talk about not only who's playing great. We have Connor McDavid, who seems to score every shift these days you got to talk about who's struggling a little bit too and just because you're struggling today it doesn't mean you're going to be struggling tomorrow you right? can next you, week they could be you can on the you on can the always bus, right? you
1: can always get off
0: the struggle bus yeah maybe unless you're Mo cider but okay <laughs> that was a dig i'm sorry detroit fans i'll be better okay so from a hockey card uh perspective One of the things that was really telling to me and and I think reflective of a lot of the points we just made is so when I looked him up in Card Ladder, right? And I looked up his PSA 10 and you can sort in Card Ladder and look at the all time. Basically, if you look at his price chart, it's a continuously downward sloping Mm. trend from almost the because he was so hyped originally that the prices of the gate were insane. It, It just keeps going down, down, down. If anyone's interested in Card Ladder, by the way. Uh, we have a link in description. It's an awesome service and would definitely recommend it. So his 2020 Young Gun PSA 10 pop 1141 is pretty sneaky high. Nowhere near Kaprizov, but and, and you would expect it to be high given how much he's pumped. Right now it's about 187 US dollars. It's down about 5% in the past two weeks. If you look back though, Troy, to the 1st of October... When there's still preseason hype, I think a lot of people are really hopeful that this will be a breakout year for him, and hopefully it is. His first four sales in October were 236, 309, 228, and 225, or 235. Compared to 187, he's obviously down. Again, it's in the context of a normal hockey player. He's not off to a horrible start, but for a potential budding superstar who is the leader of a whole year's class of hockey cards, It's uh, he's definitely on the struggle bus. Any honorable mentions you want to um, throw well, out there? I, or I think you, we leave the struggle. Do you think we got enough trouble?
1: No, nope, I think you leave the struggle bus where it's at with these three players. They will talk. They'll, you know, become friends. They'll think about how they can get their game better so that they can get off the struggle bus. And then the new they'll encourage
0: each other. They'll say, you got this. Let go of that <laughs> stick. Don't <laughs> grab it so tight. Okay, let's transition into hobby news real quick. I want to talk about Shane Wright. I didn't want to put him on the struggle bus for a very important reason because he's not really getting an opportunity, I think, to either earn his time in the league or really show what he can do. It's been very controversial. There's tons of articles you can go find where there's opinions all over the place. I think the crux of the matter goes back to what we've been talking about him for a month because of his age, 18, and the agreement the Canadian Hockey League has with the NHL in that, that he really doesn't have an AHL opportunity. And so what's happening is he's getting scratched a lot. So he's been a healthy scratch in five of the first cr- 10 Kraken games, including the last four in a row. There was a ton made troy in the media about how I think they had like a three game homestand at the end of last this week or this weekend. And he had his grandparents in town and he was basically in the press box for the entire homestand and the game is he's playing. He's only averaging under seven minutes of, of ice time. He has zero goals, one assist. If you look at the, you know, there isn't much to, I guess, critique or, or analyze of his play. But if you look at what experts have saying has been up and down, probably like what you would expect from, from an 18 year old. And so the controversy is around, do you send this guy back to the OHL or not? And if they do, They can't recall him or sign him back or whatever. I don't know what the procedure is to back to the Kraken until after the OHL season is over, I believe. Another note, too, in talking about his development is that he lost essentially a whole year of junior development with COVID. So given he's 18, given he lost that year, I think you can only take being scratched for the last four games as in only six minutes of ice time when he does play that it's pretty clear sign. It seems that they feel like he's not ready. For for the NHL and so Troy, where I'll kind of get your opinion on this is you know what do you do? Do you just what's best for him and ultimately his career? Should he just go back to the OHL and play at Kingston, where I think they're third in the league right now, and play a really prominent role, or sit and wait?
1: I don't know if you saw anything in in your research, but part of me wonders: is he really struggling in practice as well? Because I could see. You know, your game, you're up and down, you're 18. But I, you, I feel you would get more opportunities, but maybe they're seeing stuff in practice that they're just like, they're not enamored with and they're trying to change some habits. So I'm curious about that. Besides that, I would rather have him playing. I don't care if it's the NHL or somewhere else in the OHL, Canadian Hockey League, to get more reps in. I don't think it does him any good to sit in a press box, especially during these formative years when he's 18 years old. I think you got to be playing. I don't know. Maybe they think he can learn a lot by watching from the press box and doing practice. But if you have practice and you can get him more game time, I think that's what he needs. I, I would really love to hear the GM kind of give his thought process right now, what is going on with that. So to me, I would rather have him playing, practicing and playing, not just practicing and sitting in a press box.
0: I think the whole like family kerfuffle this weekend, to me, is an indicator that there isn't a clearly laid out plan where they've involved him and his agent because right i'm going along your train of thought here if the idea was to say hey let's just go super easy the first month and you know we'll kind of get you up to nhl speed and practice there's some uh how did you put it there's some tendencies or some things you need to work on and then starting in Late November, early December, we're gonna kinda of ease you into the lineup more. I don't think you would have invited your whole family down from Canada to watch the game. Yeah, and, I get, and and have you and have you not play.
1: Yeah, that seems very odd. Usually teams and players are a little better at communicating that stuff. Also, I am really wondering what's going on with him, because I've talked about this. If I'm him, I'm so ticked off at the world that I want to show everyone what I can do. And maybe it's too much. Maybe he is too ticked off and he's trying too hard, but you know, getting the snub when he was, I don't know what if you want to say consensus or was thought to be in the running for the number one pick, and then staring darts at the Montreal table, I felt like he would just come out flying, but there's obviously young player. Some things are going on. I hope they get it figured out because I want to see him succeed.
0: The argument to let him play is, well, they're not good anyways. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make the playoffs, right? Most people think anyways. So why not? Just throw him out there. Let him take his lumps. Let him learn on the fly. A little bit. It's it's different if this is the avalanche we're talking about, mm-hmm. who are dead set on winning another Stanley Cup and you can't take that risk. But what exactly are you risking by by doing that? So there's got to be something, I think, to your point that they're seeing that maybe everybody else isn't. Because like I said, when you look at the an- the analysis of his games, it seems like it's been pretty up and down like you'd expect for an eighteen year old. They're saying he's done a couple plays, he's done some things really great, and he's missed some assignments or hasn't been aggressive enough in certain areas, which to me, given through your first few games, I think that's what what would be expected. So we'll uh, keep following it. I, I don't even know what this, I was going to say drama, but I think that's too strong of a word. It's just more of an interesting situation. I think it'll be also kind of fascinating to follow if this will, you know, we're in a situation again, like with Connor Bedard. Will this change how teams approach his situation? Because he's not going to be old enough to bypass that rule, right? So you're taking a gamble that this player, this kid who's 18 years old or younger, I am pretty sure that they're at least 18, is going to be ready to be a full-time NHL player. Or you'll have to just kind of, you know, wait and give them another year of development time in a different league. Want to do some injury roundup real quick? We're going to get to that time of year where we're to that point in the season, I should say, where injuries are going to start to come up and really matter. So the first one, a little bit of a strange one, uh, yesterday, which would have been Saturday, our guy, Jake Ottinger, left the Rangers game with a lower body, body injury. He pulled himself during a TV timeout. I haven't seen a timeline for return, but, and you were mentioning this to me offline, Troy, that's a little bit of an odd situation there, right? In that... Yeah, Typically, it, players don't take themselves out. No, off the usually, ice.
1: especially hockey players
0: don't take themselves out. And when
1: you have the goalie coach for Dallas mm-hmm. saying, hey, he's never done this before, so we're a little worried. I would be a little worried, too. I haven't seen any updated reports or prognosis on what's going on besides lower body injury. But it's kind of a hold your breath moment
0: now for the stars. To see what's going on with him. All right, I get really bad at French names, so I actually wrote out the phonetic spelling. Went on Google and practiced this, people, by the way, but I'll still probably butcher it. Uh, couturier from the philadelphia flyers kind of a sad situation out three to four months after having a second back surgery in less than a year he hasn't played since december 18th 2021 uh it doesn't seem great backs are pretty tricky nope backs stink my i had a brother that had a really bad back and once
1: you get one surgery it seems like you just you're in line for another one at some point
0: Yeah. So best luck to him. It's crazy. that I mean, Philadelphia is having a pretty good start given their injury issues Mm -hmm. and some of the players they're missing. And it's a big bummer that he's not going to be back anytime soon. Another bummer is Josh Norris. Looks like he'll be out with what's being termed as a long term shoulder injury. He did miss 15 games last year with a shoulder injury, but the team is saying it's a, it's a different injury or shoulder. I, I'm not sure the distinction. It looks like right now they're debating surgery. Like I said, really stinks. Many thought this would be a breakout year for him. And yeah, injury bug. Last thing I want to mention, hobby news is, as we'll keep reinforcing for a while, now on our Thursday shows, we do our local card show shout outs. So be sure to send us in the next couple of days any upcoming shows for the first weekend of november primarily of course we're interested in ones that have a lot of hockey and if you can send us complete show information that would be great so we can pass that along to everybody okay try are you pumped for mascots i'm so pumped for mascots so
1: well I, I was pumped and then i started doing some research and i got a little less pumped because some of the thoughts that i think we had just played out but when we originally started thinking about this, and we threw out like, hey, it's Halloween shows coming up in, you know, 3 to 4 weeks. What if we did mascot cards? Obviously, what else relates to Halloween more than a mascot? They got their costume on, they're goofy, all that stuff. And I kind of wrote down I wasn't exactly sure what I'd find, but I had some assumptions going in. And Josh, you can let me know if you don't if you had different assumptions, but when I was doing this research, my first assumption was going to be that gritty Will hold all the top spots for the highest sales of these cards this year in 2022. I only lim- I limited it to 2022. It's too hard on Card Ladder to find mascot cards going back in history. Yeah. It's just it's a exercise in frustration. Even on eBay, I did. It's another. It's they don't have like a specific category, so you get all these. You can try to limit it by doing like upper deck mascot, but you'll still catch all these other. Goofy ones that get in there. So I just looked at this year. So I tried to be as general as I could when I did the research to find as many hockey mascots as I could to limit the amount I had to weed through. And again, looking at just 2022 sales. So the assumption I really had was that. And then that gritty would have the top spots. Josh, did you have any different thoughts that you <laughs> had that when I was going to look this up that you were like, oh, maybe this guy will jump
0: in or something else? No, I didn't. And Gritty seems to be a cultural phenomenon when it comes to hockey. And really, it's like, why, are, why is the mascot Philly thing? We should have some of our Philly people like Irish Flyer Guy or somebody like that. You know, you have the Philly fanatic, right, who in every like baseball blooper VHS tape when we were growing up was very prominent in that there seems to be some sort of mascot connection with the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, and
1: definitely Gritty's got the der- we, lo- we love we love deranged mascots. So we talked about Bowie being the new deranged mascot. But Gritty's definitely deranged. Yeah, we need Irish Flyer Collector. The gritty young guns? Yeah, the, the there's so there's here, we'll get into it. Actually, we need Irish okay. Flyer Collector to respond to us and tell us about Philly mascots because he's the one that sent us, I think, the meme where they introduced like I don't know what it said, NHL introduces or Philadelphia Flyers introduced Gritty. Everyone, you know, silence. And then people are like, the rest of the country is like, that's crazy. It looks d- deranged. It's stupid. Philadelphia Flyer fans, shut up. Gritty's a national treasure. And then they just embrace sure. it. <laughs> so it's pretty, I didn't do it justice. This is a great meme. But anyway, so with the Gritty Young Gun, there's really, ah, there's like two, two or three versions, if you want to think about it. There's a version that, look, that came out in 2018-19, SP Authentic. That is, it was an insert. That's the 2018-19 Upper Deck Young Guns. It's got the number SP-GR. It's got the, basically they you can recognize it's got the gold foil name. And okay. that's kind of the, I'll call that one the more rare one. But then there was also a gritty, just, I, don't, I want to call it like a normal Young Guns. It was a promo card. So they gave it out at a couple venues. I think they gave it out at the Toronto Expo if you bought. There was something you had to buy, like a sealed hobby box or something, then you got it. I think they gave it out to Flyers fans at the arena, and there was a regular version then a jumbo version. So if you go on eBay, you'll see basically three three different types of cards for Gritty's Young Gun. So it's kind of a – Wow. It's almost confusing. <laughs> I had to dig through trading card database to, to figure some of this out. And looking at the card – I started to say, well, what what would be the five highest sales of the gritty the gritty young guns? And four out of the five are that insert in SP Authentic. That I'll call it the gold foil edition. The first, the highest sale was two hundred ten dollars for an SGC ten. Buy it now on May fourth of this year. The second highest sale was the actual, just the regular, the promo card, so the non insert, non gold foil. There's a PSA 10 version that sold for 200 which was a buy it now on October 2nd of this year. And then 3 4 and 5 are of the gold foil all from 123 to 115 115 US dollars, all these are in US dollars. So to me it's crazy that they go for this high. I don't know Josh if you think that's crazy but 210 dollars for a mascot young gun is crazy to me but it's gritty. It's got this I think gritty just has this aura around him. And he's deranged, so
0: I can see it. The sad part is, I think it's more valuable than any player from that year. <laughs> Elias Patterson. I didn't look
1: at that. Duh! I should have.
0: I should have looked at that. That's a fail. I'll well, look it up. But it would be. It's between him and Elias Patterson, and maybe depending on certain sales. But I'm going off a of recall. But I think that Patterson Young Guns is something like. 175 bucks like okay
1: and so another thing with gritties i did go back through card Ladder and i found the highest sale of a gritty was the just the normal psa 10 version sold for 484 dollars when it was over when it was just released i think so that was the highest i could find in the past before 2022
0: Kind of looked it up yeah the current so petterson's Current value of his 2018 Young Gun PSA tens 169 dollars. So gritties.
1: <laughs> that's that's funny. Pretty on par. I see it. It's he's got a he's got a cachet about him. I mean, my kids love him. I think everyone loves gritty, even if he's deranged and has a sad backstory. But and then so <laughs> <laughs> then, so we're looking at these mascots, and then I'm like, oh, now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. Let me lay, let me figure out every mascot for every team. I'm going to look up the highest values. I'll just say this: I started, I got through about four teams when I quickly realized that the highest selling card for every mascot of this year is going to be their 2021-22 upper deck, every uh, the canvas, the extended canvas black card that was in the. I can't remember what series it was. Was it series two maybe? I can't remember. It was the. Uh, it was extended. Extend. Duh! I just said that. 2021-22 upper deck extended canvas black. They had all the mascots in there by far the highest selling card for each mascot of this year. And it's too hard to find all these guys in the past and see, but there, there have been, I did see there was other NHL mascot cards that have come out in the past, but I think these right now
0: was Al the octopus number two, as far as high selling. No, I don't know. I didn't make it through every one of them. (laughs) It was just,
1: it's so hard to find some of these guys. And especially when they have like, like Louie from the blues, you got to do like Louie, St. Louis blues, upper deck, Sometimes you sure. catch them, sometimes you don't find them. It's it's really goofy. But Al the Octopus, let's look at Al the Octopus. He actually had his canvas black sole for $39 on August 2022. That was kind of fascinating to me. And then the rest that I did look at were ranging in like the $14 range, which I'm sure there's some fluctuations. And these was, are all black? Yeah, just the ones that I, the ones that I found, these are, this is a list of all the mascots, but all the highest yeah. sales were of the Upper Deck Canvas, ex, or Upper Deck Extended Canvas Black mascot
0: card. For, they actually um, feel a little low to me because the, the pack odds were really tough on yeah. that card. Right? I just think it's a mascot card. <laughs> like, nice I suppose. Just, I, I didn't find, I
1: didn't, the ones I looked at, I didn't find any graded copies. I'm sure they're out there. It's a fun research. It was a little fun to dig into.
0: Okay, so other than Gritty and Nordy, who we love, who's about as like vanilla Care Bear as yeah. it gets from a, there's nothing controversial about Nordy. What's your f- couple other mascots that you like?
1: Bowie. I'm a, I'm all in on Bowie. I, I can't wait for his card because then I want him to fight Gritty and see who wins. Besides that, I don't know. There's not, I guess the Montreal, the <laughs> Oh It's not Yuppie It's kind of funny.
0: Yeah, I like the look of the, the Dallas one, Victor. E green. It's got kind of a little bit of that deranged feel. <laughs> a little bit like gritty. As you can see, we love deranged mascots.
1: <laughs> ones that you're just not you're not so sure about. Like they might attack you. They might punch you.
0: So it was a fun okay. Fun, so little, from, fun little research project, from crazy Muppets to goons. This is the other. This is the one I'm really excited for. Do you want to go like alternate here, Troy? Like go back and forth. Yeah, I for kind each of, of our couple guys.
1: Yeah. Let me. How about? Let me let me
0: start, and okay. then
1: and then because I do I did it kind of two ways. I listed out actually I, I listed out like three of my all time favorite goons, just people, or in, I'm gonna call on forces too to give them the <laughs> technical name
0: goons. Sure, and,
1: but I listed like three guys that I remember watching as a kid that I loved, and then I kind of get into some card stuff. So do you want me to list out my yeah, three? Right. Okay, so my my first favorite goon and this was from growing up in minnesota watching the north stars was dave richter not if a lot of people probably know it, who dave richter is but he played 365 games in the nhl 1030 penalty minutes i actually looked up on hockeyfights.com he had 47 fights nine goals 40 assists in his career for 49 points why i love this guy He was huge. He was not afraid of anyone. And what would happen, he would get in fights. And instinctively, a lot of people back then always grabbed for the right hand, which did nothing because Dave Richter was a lefty. And he would just come throwing these haymakers in. And (laughs) he was, I don't, I didn't see him lose many fights, but he was great to watch. My second goon or enforcer was Willie Platt. Again, another North Star as a kid, I loved Willie Platt. He had the—he was blonde hair flowing, big dude. He played 834 games, had 2,570 penalty minutes, 146 fights. Here's the crazy thing, though—he could score. He had 222 career goals and 215 assists for 437 points. Wow, w- Willie Plat was awesome because he—I think he was from like Paraguay or Uruguay. He was like when I was born in a random country, I think. Probably had parents that were stationed there or embassy or something, but he was awesome to watch. And he would always, when the Blackhawks came to town, it was always a battle. Mm-hmm. And which leads me to my third favorite enforcer slash goon was Al Secord from the Chicago Blackhawks. He is another 2,093 penalty minutes, 142 fights. Again, though, another guy that could score. 766 games played, 273 goals, 223 assists. For four hundred and ninety six points, I, I just loved him because he was. I didn't. I mean, I didn't love him as a kid, but now I look back and it was awesome because him and Plaid. It's like they were. You always expected them to go at it and have a fight. I love it that now he's a airline pilot, flies commercial planes for American or when, United or something. I can't remember which one it is, but that just cracks me up. I just a pilot.
0: Let's say you're on the red eye and you find <laughs> out that your pilot played in the NHL and got his face, his head punched thousands of times that i don't know if that would make me feel super great but obviously it looks like he maybe uh escaped or avoided some major uh brain trauma oh, yeah. there maybe as a real and, thick skull or something they, like that
1: you know it's not really cool about these guys i can't really remember about richter but you know Platt and Secord from the days they didn't wear helmets so you know they're skating around there the hair flowing fighting but those were my three
0: favorite enforcers slash goons when i was a kid all right you wanted me to go now yeah, and go we'll circle yours. back to yep. some of your card stuff Okay. So I, I got two guys that, you know, I think about like favorite kind of goons or enforcers, if we want to be nice. Uh, the first guy is Bob Probert. His 1988 tops or OPG rookie is uh, my, my favorite card of his. I don't, what's, what was crazy about the situation with him is, and I'm not an 80s hockey expert either, <laughs> is by the time his rookie came out in an 88 Troy, he had been basically a full-time NHL player since 85, that must have been like either lack of respect
1: or they thought he wasn't yeah. going to make it very long or what?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And it's not like he played like six games. He was playing the majority of the games in each of those years. So I thought that was a little strange because at first, when I was trying to research his cards, I'm like, he played before 88. And I think I kept seeing like rookie and I was confusing, but obviously, you probably won't known as one of the great, greatest enforcers of all time. He had over 3,300 penalty minutes. In his career, also what most people think about Probert is he served a mid-career prison sentence after getting caught with uh, 14 grams of booger sugar on the uh, Detroit-Windsor border in 1989, which is crazy. Can you imagine in today's world an NHL player going to prison and then coming out and going back to his team?
1: Yeah, you'd be immediately dropped and... They wouldn't even think, especially with Bob Probert. Obviously, he had a role as an enforcer. I don't know if he was the greatest offensive talent. Not a lot of these enforcers are. And I got a, I got a point to say about that later about enforcers and their offensive prowess. But I feel like he would not have sure. got a second chance in today's game. I think there's too much. of No. You get one shot if you
0: mess it up. Obviously, that's not true for everyone. But a lot of players, they get one shot if something happens. As you mentioned, we'll continue to do our best to tie everything to Minnesota. He did serve his prison sentence here, which is a I I thought was kind of kind of funny. The reason why not only is he known as a top enforcer all the time, but I really love that 88. And again, the tops and OPG are just the logo on it. So it's really the same card. But uh, I don't know. Troy, you got to look it up real quick if you can't reference it, because he's just standing on the ice. He's got he's holding his stick. He's biting his lip. And it just feels like he's looking across the ice at somebody he wants to kill. I don't know. I just love the the picture on the card. Did you were you able to find it?
1: Yeah, I did find it. That is quite the picture.
0: He, uh, yeah, like you
1: said, he's standing there. He's got a stick, holding it up by his <laughs> waist, biting his lip, looking ticked off. Either he's going to attack the cameraman or go attack uh, some player that's skating over there.
0: Boy, yeah, it's not smiling, right? It's like somebody
1: I'm going to go beat up. And what kind of card um, design? Would, what do you think went through their heads when they're like, okay, here's my idea. We got their name. And we're going to put it on like a yellow post-it note with like a pin sticking through it. And that's how we're going to do sure. it. I get it, though. It's probably kids used to stick them to the wall. <laughs> Very
0: 80s design. You know. Biggest sale for this card was a Topps version of PSA 10 that went for 300 US dollars this past August. So a rare case of a Tops outselling OPG. So that's Bob Probert. The other guy that I chose for goons is my kind of hometown rube pick, and is my favorite goon enforcer of all time, and it's Derek Bugard. Obviously, really sad story. He became addicted to oxycodone, passed away in 2011. It's also Troy, my biggest, my single biggest hockey card sales regret. So I had his 2005 Future Watch Auto raw. And sold it a few years ago for like 50 or 60 bucks. Can't remember the exact figure. At some point, I'm definitely getting this card back. It. I should have never... I think everybody probably has a couple cards mm-hmm. that you've sold and then lived lived to regret. I, I don't... It's hard to tell with us being in Minnesota, like how he's regarded sort of league-wide and by other fan bases. But So I, I've got an interesting question for you. If the Wild ever did a poll for all-time fan favorites... Do you think he would win that? He
1: would win it, I think, if they gave a list of players. But if they just asked you straight up who's the favorite wild player and you didn't sure. have a list, I don't think you would. But I think fans would see his name and get triggered that people loved Bugard. They absolutely loved him. And he played a role. It sucks what happened is to him at the end and the CTE or whatever, all that stuff, and the, yeah. the cotton or whatever that he was addicted to. But I think if you put a list in front of them, he would definitely, if he's on it, I think he would be up there because they loved him or uh, we all love it might
0: be kaprizov yeah. one and bugard bugard two. so i would encourage anyone if you're interested or have it's a minute-long video if you go on youtube there's a video from 2007 where the ducks are or the while they're playing the ducks mighty ducks must have been at the mm-hmm. time and i think something they don't really show what ha- what happened kind of before the video picks up but you kind of as the announcers are talking pick it up that uh, a very young Ryan Getzloff at that time must have done maybe something a little bit cheap. And the, so the play is blown dead, right? And Bugard isn't on the ice. He's on the bench. But all of a sudden, the wild card just starts going, Bugard, Bugard, Bugard. They wouldn't stop, right? The whole stadium. So he finally stands up to acknowledge it. And then and then he starts jawing at the at the Anaheim bench. Right, and so he's going back and forth. He's yelling at them. Finally, looks around, and I should have looked this up. I didn't. I, it must have been. I'm thinking it was Jacques Lemaire would have been the coach. They don't show the coach in the frame, but he obviously gets like a, a nod or a wink, and just jumps right over the boards, and the whole arena just erupts. It's awesome, and the whole thing's like a minute long, but it it kind of gives you, I think, a good sense of what you were talking about is how beloved he was here. And, you know, for that reason, he's really one of my all time favorite goons And that future watch auto is my favorite card of his last sold for about 100 raw for about 140 US dollars, which to me is kind of crazy. And I want to get your opinion on this too, Troy. So the guy plays six seasons, a really short career because obviously he passed away. He played 277 games, has three goals and 13 assists. Can you name another Future Watch Auto with a stat line like that? That's worth one hundred forty dollars. Only
1: if Gritty had a Future Watch Auto would it, would it be up there. <laughs> there
0: you go. So honestly, it warms my heart loving him so much, yeah. and and that that that, that he has that, that kind of value. So rest in peace, Books, for sure. W- were you a Boogard guy, Troy? Oh
1: yeah, we love Boogard. Back, there, I don't know how to say this. You know, every team had kind of the enforcer guy. Now we know the goon slash enforcer is going away fighting is way down in the nhl but back then it was still kind of prevalent it was on its way down but everyone loved him the fans loved him you loved when he came out on the ice to send a message basically
0: but he didn't have like a mean disposition about him no everything you you read about he was just the nicest guy in the world yeah he seemed like a big teddy bear right where you think of like a goon as some like grizzled sort of like stubble (laughs) right with like a scowl and mean looking eyes and no teeth and you know maybe if they smile it's a very wry smile sort of deal but he was so just nice and lovable and that's probably why he connected with the fans so much all right so do you have any anything else to add Uh, Goons before we go on. I do.
1: I'm going to, so I kind of was looking at, I got the thought, I'm like, I wonder if there's been Goon cards or Enforcer cards. And of course, not to my surprise, there have been, there's a line called Game Enforcers. It's not the only one. There's been other ones. But to me, the absolute insane thing, there was Game Enforcer autographs. The company, I think was called In the Game, that made these. But they had, obviously, the Enforcers on the card with their auto, but it had Blood Splatter on the card like images of blood splatter, and their autograph was over like a band-aid do you think in (laughs) 2022 this card would fly today if they tried to release that maybe an unlicensed version they can get away with it but i could definitely tell you the nhl will not sign off on anything if it was upper deck saying hey hey we want to bring a card that's got blood splatter and enforcers i just thought it was very interesting they did in the interview i read was kind of sad they interviewed one of the like one of the player's moms, and she said she was absolutely disgusted by it because of all the problems he's had and I'm sure. stuff like that. So there's, it's so it it sucks. It's like this elephant in the room all the time when you talk about hockey and enforcers. We're learning a lot more stuff that's that's out there. So we're not gonna get into all that. That's
0: super health not no. super healthy for you.
1: Not yeah, not the greatest right. thing to get repeatedly punched in the head. From a goon card's perspective or enforcer card perspective, I I have a couple I wanted to mention. Again, these are personal to me. They were cards, slash cards I as a kid. To me, why they're cool is that they weren't really the traditional card. One was the eighty four eighty five Minnesota North Stars postcard of Willie Platt. It's <laughs> just an awesome card. He's it it's, it's a postcard. You got him. I think you got him at the rink. I was trying to remember. I know I have him somewhere, either at my parents or in a box somewhere. But he's at the Met Center. He's got the North Star jersey on the Met Center's where they used to play. The seats were black, gold, white, green, all crazy rainbow color. And it's just a really cool picture of in front of it. Not it's not nice. it's, it's not valuable. It's five bucks. You can probably find it on eBay. I found one I think it was sell for eight bucks. Not a lot of them out there, but it's just one of those things like last time. So it just kind of takes me back to being a kid kind of that reminiscing when you see this card another one was another willie plett it was a Seven Eleven card and if i i I was trying to think for the life of me it was it was in partnership with minnesota fire prevention or some fire prevention agency and i'm pretty sure we got these when we were kids from fire trucks like the firemen had them they used to have vikings cards which you could get from police officers i think the wild or the wild the north stars were up from the firemen and i remember getting a stack or they give them out to you they'd ask you some question about fire safety and you'd tell them if you didn't know it, they'd just give them to you anyways and let you know the right answer, but just really cool. They're really cool cards. And I like the Willie Platt version. And then I tried to like do some research on other enforcer cards. And I actually, the number one penalty minute leader in the career of the NHL is Tiger Williams. I, I think I knew, I saw that. Yeah. I think I knew that, but his rookie card is actually really cool. It's like really vintage Mm -hmm. seventies. He's like pointing a stick. You know, It's coming towards the camera, which to me kind of cracks me up because it's like it's coming at your head, he's like swinging at you. I just thought it fit the the penalty minute career leader pretty good. I did look, there's a PS, there's two PSA 10 graded copies, and one did sell last year by PWCC for $1,814. It's the 7677 OPC number 373, which is the Dave. Tiger Williams rookie card. I thought that was a pretty cool card, for, especially for him being the all-time career penalty in minutes leader. That's all I got. You may have to start a Willie Platt PC track. I know. I, I've thought about it. I You know, was, I said I was going to mention something. Here's one thing I really am fascinated by. A lot of these enforcers, not all of them, I'm not saying all of them, but you go back and look at their juniors or their high school, their junior careers, maybe CHL, AHL, or whatever minor leagues they were in, a lot of them actually were – pretty good sc- offensive threats and scored a lot. And there's like a – it, it to me, it's fascinating how some of these guys came into the NHL then as it became enforcers and maybe lost some of that offensive component of their game. Or a lot of times I remember listening to interviews where they said they knew if they wanted to stay in the NHL, they had to change and be an enforcer.
0: Sure. Now, or they are pigeonholed yeah. into
1: the one – But like Willie Platt and Al I mean – I think Willie Platt had a 40-goal season with the Flames, if I remember right. I could be wrong. But some of these guys could play the game, and it's kind of interesting to look at that.
0: All right. There's a little bit of a departure from our normal topic, but I think a fun one. And I think we'll be doing some social media posts and sharing some of these cards, too. So stay tuned for that on probably Instagram and Facebook. Want to chat about new product releases real quick? after really nothing happening for weeks. At least something happened. That was kind of nice. The uh, 2022-23 I predict Series 1 checklist is now out. It's, this one is, is always a little bit tiny bit anticlimactic because they released the Young Guns checklist a few weeks before that. But to me, Troy, the, I was most curious to look at the UD Canvas Young Guns checklist and particularly see if any potential big names were left off of it or any other names that were left off of the... Series 1 normal Young Guns checklists were kind of on their way there, but it was pretty much, I think, what what you'd expect. You can go on like Cardboard Connection or Beckett and check check it out. So there's 30 Young Guns canvas as opposed to the 50 regular Young Guns. Again, I couldn't find anyone that really shocked me. There is no black version of the Young Guns canvas in Series 1. I don't think that's super atypical. The only parallel to it is 101 printing plates. So it's just more of the standard young gun. So you'll have Boldy, Rossi, Beneers, Howard,
1: and there's always a Johnson, chance, and Jack Quinn. There's always a chance they could do, like, the Easter egg and throw something else out there. Sure. You never
0: know. That would be cool. The only other note I think that I had, and this wasn't anything new, but it just kind of reinforced it to me, is... And this is where I give Upper Deck some kudos. There's a ton of kind of new yep. inserts and new cards going on, which I think is a good thing. I'm pretty sure one or two of these will end up being the new Hundo P, but that, that's what happens when you try new stuff, yep. right? I would rather have Upper Deck keep trying and because I think the odds of having a really great insert that's chased and has a lot of value, and it seems like they're, they've made a couple of the inserts a little tougher to get. Like there's those population count ones that can get pretty scarce and numbered. So I'm actually really interested for the flagship products this year to see how they do. Did you have any com- comments or, or, or thoughts when you looked at the checklist for a story? Really, I
1: just want to, I want to reiterate your thing around the inserts. I like that upper deck. Obviously tried something last year. And if it doesn't work, they, it seems like they're kind of moving on or they revamp it. Obviously keep trying new things and see what sticks. I like that. I like that there's different inserts coming out. So I give kudos to Upper Deck for that. But I'm excited. Hopefully hopefully wink wink they'll be out at the fall expo. I can buy a box. Maybe get a buoy young guns promotion card or something. Wouldn't
0: well, that be sweet? <laughs> so it looks like November tenth for the release date then haven't seen anything else prior to that other than CHL and the MVP box set. Okay, Troy. Uh, I have no personal pickups, but at least you have one. So you're salvaging the segment this week. I do.
1: I purchased a 2020 21 upper deck NHL clear cut Pekka Rennie twisted tinsel autograph. It's the redemption card. So I have to redeem it. But I've, wa- I've always wanted to see the twisted tinsel in person. And finding a Pekka Rene one was kind of a perfect match. And uh, I bid and got it. How much was it? Great question. I want to say like 30 ish, 35. Somewhere around there. Oh, that's not too bad. No, I wasn't. That's I mean, that's what you can expect a Rene auto newish to go for.
0: I'm curious to see the twisted tinsel in person too, so I have to come over and check that out. All right, well that is our show for this Monday. Again, happy Halloween, everybody. If you like the episode, please leave a rating review on Apple Spotify or wherever podcast app you listen to us on if you love the show and want to support us and want to chat with us on the hockey cards gong show discord server please consider five dollar a month join the Auto 99 support tier level on patreon link is in the show description within our instagram profile or you can search hockey cards gong show on the patreon website if you're not following us on social media you should do that We are on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. Troy, the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast is a production of Dollar Box Ventures, LLC. Thank you all, and we'll see you again Thursday.